Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Busy Wednesday in Major League Baseball, and here we are on Thursday, June 27th. Yeah. Starting to get better at that. Starting to get better at knowing the date. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big step for me, Scott. You know, I'm very proud. Thank, thank you for acknowledging. Yeah. yeah. It's a rare talent. It's a rare talent, knowing what day it is just offhand. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't have said 27th. Shoot. Right. No. Well, look, I knew it was Thursday, right? And I knew my birthday was on a Wednesday, and you hadn't you didn't wish me a happy birthday on my birthday last week. Mm. And so I just added 7 plus 1, yeah. and I got to the 27th. So that's kind of just kind of how it works. Hey, listen. Got a busy, busy show, Proud Scott. Of you. Proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. I've been working on it. You know, you hone your craft. Uh so 15 games and a lot of runs. A lot of runs means a lot to talk about in fantasy baseball. But if I know Scott, it's based on the conversations we've had lately, he's going to come on. He's going to tell you how, how extremely concerned he is about Chris Sale after this bad start. Like, I know it. Scott's just going to be really concerned about Chris Sale. Who else is Scott going to be super concerned about? Um, Matt Boyd. He's going to be super concerned about Matt Boyd. Right? Am I, am I on the money, Scott? Uh, yeah, I don't know how well you know me now. No. I, I don't even like the thing is in this environment, I don't even feel like five runs in six innings with 10 strikeouts, which is what Sale had. Uh, it's even that bad because it could get so much worse. No, I was and, kidding. I mean, in the case of him, 10 strikeouts, it's nine of 11 starts now with double digit strikeouts. So, no, look, I, I, I knew you wouldn't be concerned because remember the whole Snell thing? If you weren't concerned about Snell, I knew you weren't going to be concerned about Snell. A snail or sale. So, all right, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about last night. Let's talk about Wednesday's standouts. I want to know if you're buying in to Wade LeBlanc. The opener has revived Wade LeBlanc. Four of his last five appearances have been really, really good. The other one was terrible. He is 10% owned. He is RP eligible, I'm sure. And uh, are you buying it yet? Well, I knew when I saw this performance he had yesterday that Adam was going to be making his wave LeBlanc pitch again. I didn't <laughs> expect you to open the show with it. That's that's a new low for you. What? Uh, I, I don't no, own, I don't no, own Wade LeBlanc. I, I'm not making a pitch for Wade LeBlanc. I am simply bringing him up because he needs to be brought up. Jerk. I, I don't see anything he's doing that's different and what's a pretty extensive track record 34 years old uh i there there's nothing in the underlying numbers to make me think he's changed in some way and we should have this have this faith in him all of a sudden so no i'm not i'm not even interested in picking him up as in a hot hand play necessarily because i mean say you did that with mike leak how did that go yeah, it didn't go very well. All right, so so if you are not impressed with my opening the show with Wade LeBlanc, you get to now open the show and talk about someone even more important, more awesome. What do you got? Mm. Oh, not oh, so there's easy. such a big selection here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you one pitcher who has me worried, and to the point that I'm probably going to drop him now. And it depends how. It depends what what's out there. Can I guess? But uh, Nick Pavetta. Oh, that's what I was going to guess. Yeah. 
That was gonna be really what you're gonna. Well, get? it was either gonna be him or Framber Valdez. It was one of those two. Well, the thing about Fran, yes, both, both of them, uh, both of them were in uh, a real waiver wire winners and losers. It's going up this morning. Both of them are among the losers. Framber Valdez actually got opted to the minors after the game, but they don't need a fifth starter, the Astros, until after the All Star break. So he's not necessary. He didn't necessarily lose his job just because he got sent down. Uh, I I do still think there is some interesting stuff underneath for Valdez that, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not necessarily going to bury him, but I, I don't necessarily think he's worth a roster spot either. But Nick Pavetta, uh, a third straight shaky start. He allowed, uh, he allowed two home runs again. That's seven in his past three starts. And that's, that's really the killer for him is just way too vulnerable to the home run and not, a good enough bat misser, even when he's been good, he hasn't shown high end enough bat missing ability to to think he's going to be good enough to overcome this this deficiency he seems to have. So I'm pretty much over him. Uh, I think there's, you know, I, I'd rather hold on to him than over somebody like Wade LeBlanc. But if I was looking to pick up like Adbert Alzali or uh, even somebody like Julio Urias, I you know, if if there's another upside pitcher available on waivers to you, or if there's a hitter you want more, I, I think dropping Pavetta for him or Valdez for him at this point makes sense. Okay, and Pavetta is 68% owned. Valdez is 62% owned. Pavetta is a two-star pitcher next week. That makes it a little bit more complicated, but one of those starts is at Atlanta. That's a brutal matchup. At Atlanta and at the Mets next week, and that's who he faced yesterday, the Mets, and he gave up four runs on nine hits and five and two-thirds. And I was watching that star, and he just did not seem to have it. Sometimes you watch Nick Pavetta, and he's totally nasty. And yesterday was not one of those starts. In fact, Jason Vargas was was better than uh, Nick Pavetta, um, and you know didn't nobody got challenged to a fight with reporters in the clubhouse after. That's always good. But uh, yeah, all right. So Pavetta, I mean, I think like if you want to pivot, maybe to Logan Allen. He's got two starts mm-hmm. also next week. San Francisco at home at the Dodgers, but. Uh, would you do that? Would you drop Pavetta for Logan Allen? Yeah, I'd I'd be more willing to roll the dice on Allen, who who hasn't shown uh, anything that impressive in his first two starts, but top 100 prospect coming into the season, and uh, you know they they were both fine. They were both fine. They were they were reason enough to want to give him a longer look, and we'll see where that one goes. Okay, we'll talk about Zach Allen in a little bit. As he had a pretty interesting start yesterday, he was cruising along, and then he got. Lit up a little bit. Do I have a standout? Well, I think Dallas Keuchel's a standout. We're going to play start, sit, or drop with Keuchel and Darvish, who started yesterday. Uh, what do you want to talk about hitters like J.P. Crawford, Willie Adamas and his splits, Jeff McNeil is on fire, Framo Reyes double dong, Justin Bohr has been excellent. Like Justin Bohr is part of a group of guys who might might be earning more playing time and might be becoming more interesting. So usually we talk a lot about pitchers on this show. I'm going to try to talk about hitters more today. We have the Thuriometer Thursday. James Paxton is on the Thuriometer, and I am very thurried because of that knee. Jack Flaherty is on the Thuriometer. He pitched two nights ago. Eugenio Suarez, Paul DeYoung, and Matt Boyd. Matt Boyd has allowed 17 home runs this year, 10 in the month of June. He's at the White Sox at home against Boston next week, so we will discuss that. Uh, let's move on. Today's sponsors are Noble and SeatGeek. Noble 
Go to nobullproject.com, N-O-B-U-L-L project.com backslash F-B-T. This is a, you know, it's apparel company. I got my no bull package. Great gear for training. Uh, the shoes are awesome. And SeatGeek, the promo code is FANTASY for 10 bucks off your first purchase. So if we can focus still on some of these fringy starting pitchers, uh, we already talked about Pavetta and Valdez. Three others that went yesterday. Zach Allen gave up one hit and no runs through five innings. Then he came out for the sixth, and he got blasted. He gave up four runs without recording an out. So that's two starts now for Gallon, where he's lasted five innings or five-plus innings, giving up uh, one run and three runs. I said he gave up four runs. He gave up three. One run against St. Louis last week, three runs against Washington. Uh, Pavetta, Framber Valdez, Matt Strom, and Tanner Roark, who we don't talk about much. He has a 366 ERA but a, and a 131 whip, not great. Um, how would you rank? Well, how would you rank the rest of them? Gallon, Strom, and Roark. I um, Gallon Strom definitely Gallon one. I mean, if if he hadn't come out for the sixth inning yesterday, he probably would have led the show. He was very impressive through those first five innings, and then uh, you know gave up three hits and three runs in the. Before getting it out in the six. So, you know, that was the third time through the lineup. Uh, they talked, so, he talked some after the game about adjustments he feels like he needs to make when he faces the third time, the lineup for a third time again. And the, uh, the Marlins seem to come away mostly impressed. And I think we all should have come away mostly impressed by Zach Gallant's start yesterday. I think he definitely kept himself in the running with Caleb Smith looking to find his way back in. And he's, he's somebody I'd absolutely pick up if he's still available. And certainly hold on to him if I already got him. Yeah, enough. I don't enough really want there. any of these others. No, no Strom. Um, Strom with a, you know, with a just, nice start. I just, I just made a case for dropping Pavetta and Valdez, and yet I think I'd rank them second and third here. Strom has uh, he, he he his velocity was up a little yesterday, which is. Interesting. He had nine strikeouts, but the swinging strikes weren't there. And more, even more discouraging than that, he gave up two home runs again, which this is now six straight starts with two home runs allowed. And particularly if your bat missing skills aren't that high. Um, you know, it's just like I was saying for Pavetta. Like, I feel like Pavetta would have to miss more bats to get away with that. And Pavetta misses more than Strom does. So Strom seems like uh, you're playing with fire there. Roark is. He can be useful, I think. He's just kind of boring, and he gives up a lot of line drives. So uh, the whip is high because he's given up a lot of hits, and I think that's not a fluky thing. I think he's that hittable. Um, you know, he, he's, he pitches fairly deep into games. He's about at a strikeout per inning for the season. I think he can be a useful streamer, but there's not a lot of ceiling there. Okay. So that's Tanner Roark, 48% owned. Four quality starts this season. Doesn't pitch deep into games often. Getting better with that next oh, week. Okay. <laughs> I even had that part wrong. Uh, well, Matt Strom is a two-star pitcher next week with San Francisco and at the Dodgers. Roark, one start with Milwaukee next week. So uh, you uh, getting excited for London baseball, Scott? No? Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So. Like it, it, When I was doing the uh, the hitting the top 10 sleeper hitters and, and looking at the hitting schedule and picking out which teams had the best matchups, worst matchups, all of that. I noticed two days off in a row 
for the Yankees and Red Sox. And I was like, what is this? I've never seen that before, except for the All-Star break, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah, now they've got an tra- extra travel day to go to London. We have no idea what that playing uh, oh, environment's going to be like. I, I do know what the dimensions are. Uh, what I, are the dimensions? I think it's 330 down the lines, but it's 385 to center field. 385. Now, they do have a high wall. They have a 16-foot wall in center field. They ha- it's in a soccer stadium, and the- there is a ton of foul territory. So it's just going to be weird. Like, it's very hitter-friendly in terms of the dimensions, the walls, you know, the distance of the walls. But the foul territory maybe equalizes it a little bit for the pitchers. I have a feeling it's going to be very high scoring. I know the Yankees are going with an opener on Sunday. The Red Sox, Sale just pitched. Price isn't pitching. I think they're going with Porcello and maybe Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, we're not going to see the best pitchers, although it might be Tanaka yeah. tomorrow or Saturday. But, yeah, they're off Thursday. They're off Friday. I think it's cool. I think it's very cool. And one thing I read on ESPN.com is that they're going to have, like, I think through the PA, they're going to have, like, in-game explanations for some things that happen. Um, You know, because some okay. of the fans there just don't, know baseball very well so i don't know what right. i don't know what that is I, I don't know what they're going to explain but i'm pretty interested to see where this goes so we'll see the, the times of the games are kind of funky if i believe they're um, gonna be like they're gonna be like uh you know old school color commentary guy like you know giving you tips on how to play if you're like a little leaguer or something like oh this is exactly how you should do that you know you know what I'm talking about? This No. I don't know. It sounded like a better idea in my head. Let's move on. Okay, okay, let's move on. Let's do start <laughs> start sit or drop. And I only have two players with this segment. They faced each other last night and the lines weren't great. Keiko and Darvish. Keiko has more of an excuse. Keiko was pitching pretty well, three scoreless innings, then there was a forty eight minute rain delay. And he came back out and I think he gave up a run in, in th- one run in three straight innings. So Keiko ends up five and two thirds, eight hits, three runs. Three walks, two strikeouts. Darvish gave up a three-run homer to Nick Markakis. He gave up five runs on five hits with eight strikeouts, two home runs allowed against Atlanta. And he got the loss, and that ended a streak of ten straight no decisions for you, Darvish, which may have been a record. And by the way, he has not won at home since signing his contract with the Cubs. He has not won at Wrigley Field. But Keiko and Darvish, start, sit, or drop, how are you treating them going forward? Uh, not drop. Probably more likely to sit than start, but I mean, few people listening, I think, have much pitching depth and may find themselves where they're forced to start them. Um, the most concerning number for me for Keuchel is that he gave up two home runs yesterday, and I think it was one in his first start. But he's going to have to thrive on home run prevention. Like that's going to have to be his whole thing. Uh, can I just can I interrupt? Extreme ground ball pitcher. Can I interrupt? I, I am so excited. Sure. I'm so excited for the day. I'm gonna have to get like some celebration music or something. If balloons, the day when you say what I said on yesterday's show, Dallas Keuchel should not be owned in 12 team leagues. Should not be owned in 10 team leagues, obviously, and should only be owned in 14 team leagues if it's a points league. Like I can't wait for everybody to come around on how bad Dallas Keuchel is gonna be for fantasy. Wow. Yeah, it's That's, a bold uh, take. It's a bold take, no question. 
but he just That's doesn't weird, do uh, anything good. Thing to celebrate too. What? I mean, no, it's going to be celebrating. Like he's he, underwhelmed us he being in the past right. before because he set this Cy Young standard a few years ago. But I, I don't think, I don't think uh, we've ever since then considered him not must own. So. That's interesting. Uh, no, but, you know what? Yeah, you know uh, what, Scott? I'm gonna I'm gonna go. So last year we had Keuchel in our 16 team categories league, 16 teams, and I feel like we could never yeah. really start him or at least feel good about starting him because he was a categories killer and his strikeout rate. This is another thing. His strikeout rate, like, you can kind of live with it being in the 7.5 range. But last year I think it was 6.7, and so far this year, what does he have? Yeah. Uh, he has five strikeouts in ten and two thirds. So. Like I don't know that you can live with a with a strikeout rate at six and a half, six point seven. That's that's kind of dicey. But you know what? Well, well, well in a way, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Like sorry. our our expectations from starting pitchers have had to be lowered this year. I mean, a high threes ERA is a good ERA. Even some of the high end pitchers out there have ERAs close to four, if not exceeding four. Um, and, and that's just, that, that's just the new reality. If you look at basically every pitcher's home run to fly ball rate is, if not a career worst, it's much higher than last year. And that's kind of introduced this, this random element to every pitcher starts. Like so many home runs are being hit. You just never know when an otherwise good pitcher is going to have a start sabotaged by that. And if Keiko can be, uh, this elite home run preventer like he's already always been, then he has a good chance of remaining about the same while the rest of the pitching pool gets worse. Uh, that He hasn't shown that through two starts, but it is only two starts. Yeah. No, no I, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be useful. I, I don't know that he's going to be must start. I don't know that I would start him. I don't know what his matchups are next time, but after the way these first two starts, with, I don't know that I'd start him then. Philadelphia I, I do think he's going to be must out. And Miami at home. Philadelphia and Miami at home. In a two-star week? Yep. I'd yeah. probably start him. So, uh, look, if you believe in Keiko, certainly be patient. I mean, you could certainly understand the guy getting off to a slow start. I just don't know that his skills are really good for fantasy. That's a problem. He needs to pitch a lot of innings, which he well, has been in the past. It's better in points than categories, yeah, yeah. I would say. But there there just aren't – and, and I, I don't know the proper way to approach this. I don't know if if – it means in categories leagues where obviously where in the ones where you don't have you know pitcher slots to find SP and RP you just put a P in there and ones where you know there isn't a high minimum innings threshold to meet uh, maybe it means not starting many starting pitchers and and leaning on relievers though I think you're playing with fire there too because I haven't explored it as much but I imagine the home run rates are up for relievers too and uh you know, somebody somebody gives you a four run inning that's going to crush your ratios. I just that this is part of the reason I don't like that format. Like, <laughs> just one over if you're if you're reducing it to a week's time, just one crooked number can really mess you up in ERA and WHIP. So and, do you uh, want do you want to in, in a way that loses the whole week for you when that doesn't really happen as often in points league? All right, got an email from Josh. He sent an email on March twenty fifth, and he's and he keeps emailing me almost weekly to update me on his team because I asked him to do this. And he said, Adam and boys, I did it. I drafted no starting pitchers, and I plan not to start any starting pitchers this season. 
I play in a standard 5x5 12-team Roto League. So it's not head-to-head categories. It's, it's Roto season long. Typically, 90 to 95 points wins the league. I haven't heard you talk much about the strategy. Any thoughts? How do you like my team? So, again, he did not draft any starters. And here were the pitchers he start, He drafted. Uh, Jose LeClerc. I'll give you the bad ones first. Jose LeClerc, Brandon okay. Morrow, Pedro Strope, Keone Kella. The other pitchers are okay. Yates, Vasquez, and Craig Stammen. Um, So... He emails me every week. He's still he's in first place every week. Okay. So his hitting's very good. He has Grandal, Bellinger, Mondesi, Turner, Lindor, Harper, Soto, Gallo, Pete Alonso, uh, among others. Senzel, Framil Reyes, Jeff McNeil, and you can obviously draft good hitting when you take this strategy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure he's juggled his pitching staff since then. Yeah, but I just thought it was interesting. I was I've been looking for a way to get this email into the show, and mm-hmm. I, I guess Scott, you gave me the perfect transition. But he, got, he did not yeah. draft one starting pitcher, and he's in first place, despite some of those relief pitchers actually being total busts. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. What works for um, one person doesn't work for everyone. And that's and that's another thing too. Like at one point, I. In, in in some of my deeper roto leagues, I picked up like John Brebia for ERA and WHIP health, and that's completely imploded here over the past month. And you know, I I took a lot of the damage from that when I wasn't enjoying the successes earlier because you know I hadn't picked them up yet. Right. So uh, th- the timing on that can get very tricky. I I would imagine most roto leagues are set up so you couldn't just completely abandon starting pitchers because you have to meet a certain innings minimum. But I'm not convinced this isn't a more viable strategy than ever. Uh, you know, part part of what makes it harder too is that, like, the, I'm going to call it the Cattell Marte syndrome, where you know, loading up on hitters at the beginning doesn't necessarily give you that big of an advantage if you know if if, if somebody else happens to hit on. A lot of the hitters who end up just being just as valuable later in drafts, which is, you know, looking like a higher number than ever. Like there's there's so little room to differentiate yourself at hitter anymore uh, that it, it's hard to get a clear advantage there. So there, it, there's a lot. There's a lot to consider here. It may be it may be a more viable strategy than ever. It may be something I need to consider more strongly, but I'm not totally on board with it yet. Yeah, no, I look, it's a good point because hitting the point of drafting all relievers is that you get to use early. There are several points. One of them is obviously you get to use early picks on hitters more so than the rest of your team or your rest of your league. But okay, let's take a look at the best hitters in baseball so far, best hitters in fantasy. And you'll see a mix of high end guys who were drafted early and guys who were drafted late or picked up as free agents. Christian Yelich. Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Freddie Freeman, Josh Bell, Nolan Arenado, Alex mm-hmm. Bregman. So that's, I think, six of the first seven or seven of the first eight are yeah. very and high. And the others, picks. you could have only realistically gotten one, right? Like yes. you couldn't have drafted two of those players. Uh, well, you could have drafted uh, Bellinger maybe and somebody else. You, yeah. uh, but otherwise. Yeah, well, you could have you could have, maybe you could have drafted Yelich and maybe Freeman. Yelich. Yeah, Freeman. In second round, yeah. Fre- um, yeah. yeah. Bregman, maybe. Yeah, you could have you could have gotten two of those guys. You could have then it gets more interesting. Maybe though. yeah, if you did. Yeah, if you if you 
But, I mean, there would have been a lot of other hitters you would have considered at that same point. Bryce Harper, Manny sure. Machado. Then we got uh, Xander yeah. Bogarts, Pete Alonso, Cattell Marte, Mookie Betts, Carlos Santana, Eduardo Escobar, Ronald Acuna, Trevor Story, Rendon, Rizzo, Devers, LeMahieu, Whit Merrifield. So you see there's still a lot of high. Yeah, it gets all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Scott, we're going to take a break here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, we got news and notes. Giancarlo Stanton's back on the I.L. Does that mean anything for Clint Frazier? Tim Anderson's on the I.L. with a high ankle sprain. Uh, it's, Ke- it's Craig Kimbrell Day. So we got news and notes plus the thoriometer and a whole bunch of hitters you need to know about. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Giancarlo Stanton is cursed. It's very strange, but he's on the IL again with a sprained PCL. He will miss more than the minimum 10 days. The Yankees called up Mike Talkman. I don't know that they won't call up Frazier when they get back from London, but for now, like, are you picking up Clint Frazier? Do you care? It would have to be deeper league. There's there's not an opening for him is the thing. They they had one too many hitters for spots before Stan going down. Now that Encarnacion is on board and now that Aaron Judge is back. So, you know, if they're committed to Brett Gardner, and I imagine they are, which is why they sent Cliff Frazier down in the first place, if they're committed to Aaron Hicks, then there's not a spot. Well, they sent Frazier down because of Stanton and Judge and I guess Encarnacion. Like Gardner was a bit right, Judge I, Judge and Encarnacion are I imagine Gardner's back in the lineup uh, playing left field. Tim Anderson on the IL with a high ankle sprain. Craig Kimbrell's going to be activated today. Is he a top five closer rest of season? The the high end closers are all pretty good. I I don't I don't know exactly where he's going to fall there. He certainly could be top five. He could be number one rest of season, but uh, I have him ranked lower just because there's no reason for me to move those others behind him yet. Like somebody like Felipe Vasquez, who you mentioned, has been great. Will well, Smith, was... if he gets traded somewhere where he's a closer, his ratios are dominant too. There's just, there isn't, there isn't, there's a lower number than ever of for sure closers out there, but the ones who are for sure are by and large pretty awesome. Yeah, except I think, I think we talked about this last time we ranked Kimbrell. The only ones that I would certainly put Kimbrell ahead of are the ones that I expect to get traded. Like I'd have to take Kimbrel over Will Smith because he's going. Yeah, you do. He's going to get traded, and hopefully he stays. He's so good. Hopefully he stays as a closer. Mm-hmm. Vasquez, I'm not sure about, but I could certainly see him getting moved. Remember, Jared Crick is a name to uh, to pick up. Uh, Lorenzo Cain has been dealing with a thumb injury. Kyle Crick. Kyle Crick. Thank you on the Pirates. Yeah. Okay. Just search for Crick Watson and Crick. Um, Lorenzo Cain's been dealing with a thumb injury, so that's been affecting him. Maybe that's an explanation for his struggles. I'm going to fire through the rest of these notes here. Alex Reyes has a pectoral strain. He's going to miss at least two to three starts in the minors. Corey Seager could be back right after the All-Star break. The All-Star game is on July 9th this year, by the way. Corey Kluber could be cleared to resume throwing soon. Carlos Carrasco played catch on Monday, so those guys are making some progress. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is on the I.L. with a shoulder injury. Should we pick up Garrett Hampson, Scott? 
Nah, he hasn't really shown much of anything. Alex Wood has a sore back. Tommy Listella hit a home run the other day. It was an inside-the-park home run, Tommy Listella. I'm not giving you credit for that. Yoan Moncada has a bruised knee. <laughs> Bryce Wilson is starting today for the Braves. Did you pick up Bryce Wilson in any of your leagues, Scott? I didn't, though there's a case to be made for it. Uh, he's was a top 100 prospect for basically every publication coming into the year. ZRA is close to four at AAA, but it was like 250 over his past eight starts in it. Really low walk rate. Um, there's upside there, and you pursue anyone with upside in this pitching environment, but there's... I, I would be surprised if he came up and dominated. There's some shortcomings, you know, not a very deep arsenal, etc. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but you could make a case to pick him up, sure. Chris Sale lost yesterday. All right, no decision at Fenway. So Chris Mason on Twitter points out, Chris Sale's last win at Fenway Park was July 11th, 2018. The Red Sox don't return home until July 12th. So that means Chris Sale is going to go at least one full calendar year without a win at home. That's amazing. Uh, you Darvish, yeah. 0-5 at Wrigley Field. Eddie Rosario, day-to-day with a sprained ankle. Noah Syndergaard's going to start against the Braves on Sunday. Andrew Benintendi, sad he has heavy legs. John Means is going to start at Cleveland on Friday for Baltimore. Some Dodgers news. They are reportedly interested in Felipe Vasquez, according to MLB.com. They are also using a six-man rotation with Tony Gonsolin pitching yesterday, and it did not go well for him. Uh, so, well, that, if, yeah, go that, ahead. What does to, that mean? To bring up your point from earlier, I mean, if, if the Dodgers got Vasquez... Presumably, it'd be the setup for Jansen. So yeah. that's another reason to put Kimbrell ahead of him. Yes. So, so what about uh, the six-man rotation, though? Yeah. Like they they went six-man. Is it just temporary? Are they going to? Do we have any more information about Stripling and Arias? Uh, I haven't seen anything. Neither seems stretched out enough. Like I, the piggyback situation seems like a good idea for them. Until they get more stretched out, if if that's if they are looking to stretch them out, even so, I, I haven't seen anything more about that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's just something we're gonna have to watch for. Gio Gonzalez had a setback with his shoulder. Jordan Lyles could start at Milwaukee this weekend, and Mike Soroka will start on Friday for the Braves. He will make that start. All right, Scott. Let's talk about some hitters. We're going streaking with uh, some hitters who are hot right now. Give me a quick thought on all these guys. Yasiel Puig. Plate discipline still bad. It's a little concerning. Three walks, 20 strikeouts. Buddy has a 970 OPS with seven home runs and four steals in the month of June. And Yasiel Puig, quick thought. Remember when we, we got traded to the Reds, we were excited and like, this is a potential 30-20 guy in this environment. And he's he's been on a 30-20 homer pace. And yet, uh, I, I still think... Most people are underwhelmed. That kind of speaks to the environment. But now he's trending the right direction. I think he's, I think he's uh, in points leagues maybe a little less than must own, but everywhere else definitely must own. All right, that's Yasuo Puig. Domingo Santana, uh, just going to steal this right from the AP, from the Associated Press. Domingo Santana has a hit in 19 of his last 21 games. He's batting 337 with five doubles, seven home runs, and 18 RBIs in that stretch, a 10.48 OPS for Domingo Santana in his last 21 games. Yeah, he's good. He's good. The 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 high strikeout player always makes me nervous. He's on pace for like 200. 
But the quality of contact is so high that uh, all the expected stats pretty much line up with the real stats. And uh, it's, it's harder to justify him as anything less than a must-start. Jeff McNeil, 82% owned, homered and doubled yesterday. Been on a little bit of a home run binge. He's got four in June. He has six on the season. But Jeff McNeil's batting 351, only 29 strikeouts. Last year he batted 329. Um, thought on Jeff McNeil. He is for sure a 300 hitter, I think, as little as he strikes out. Is he a 350 hitter? That's going to be hard, a, a difficult standard for him to meet. But I suppose it's not outside the realm of possibility if he continues the recent uptick in home runs. He has three in his last nine games, and he was definitely a home run hitter in the minors last year. It's kind of surprising he hasn't shown much power in the majors you know, with, with the juiced ball and all of that. Uh, so, yeah, my guess is the numbers get worse from here, not better. But if there is a power surge, that obviously changes the equation. All right, look, he's a guy who doesn't strike out. He's leading off for the Mets. I think in points leagues, Jeff McNeil might be sneaky valuable. You know, he might be a top 10 second baseman, and people wouldn't really value him that way. Like, I'd, ra- I'd rather have him in any format, Scott. I'd rather have him than Robinson Cano. How about you? Yeah, definitely. All right, how about McNeil or Kevin Biggio? I I prefer Biggio there because there is clearer power potential. There's some speed. Uh, I would expect McNeil to hit for a higher average, definitely. But Biggio is an outlier in fly ball rate, hard hit rate, walk rate. And this is the makings here of an OPS monster. You know, he might not be better than a 260 hitter, but I think I think we're going to see the home run pace improve for Biggio in a meaningful way. Yeah, and maybe some steals as well. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. homered twice against the Yankees yesterday, and since being recalled on May 24th, he was already the number five shortstop in points, number two in Roto before yesterday. I didn't run the numbers again this morning, but that was before his two-homer game. I mean, he ha- he has been outstanding. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he's 76% owned. If you look at the best shortstop since he's been called up, though, he has by far the worst plate discipline. But what do you think about Lourdes here? Uh, is this a legit breakout? I think it's mostly legit. Yeah, I, you know he might be a little ahead of what's a realistic pace now, but uh, you know I I think he'll be able to sustain around a thirty homer pace, if not better. And the bat skills are good enough that he should help in batting average too. I don't know if shortstop's going to be the most likely place you play him because that's become such a deep position, but he's multi-eligible. I think he's eligible at both second base and outfield as well. So at one of those spots, you could find a spot to start him. And if it's a you know if it's a shallow lineup league where you happen to have great hitting and can't find a spot to play him, it's still a nice option for your bench. Well, but somebody who can fill in at any of those spots if somebody gets hurt. Why are we buying him? Because like he has a 7.15 career OPS in the minors. He wasn't even that good in the minors this year when he got sent down. He had a 787 OPS. Did have a lot of doubles. And now he's coming up and he's... Like, I don't remember getting excited about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. last year when he when he debuted for the Blue Jays. He did nothing at the beginning of the season. He didn't do much in the minors. Now he comes back and he's on fire. Five straight multi-hit games. Just been amazing. But, you know, like, 
why? Why is this not just a hot streak for a guy that we really didn't have on our radar at all? Well, I think the, I mean, he's a 25-year-old who uh, has, is good at elevating the ball. I don't feel like the home run to play, it's a little high now, but um, like like I said, I feel like he's performing a little ahead of pace now, but when when he first entered the radar, and I think he was on like a 40 homer pace at that time, what would translate to 40 homers if he was a full-timer, the home run to fly ball rate wasn't drastically better than it was a year ago. But but let's it is but, it is much higher now. But again, I, I think there's about, going to be some regression. Let's forget about these these metrics right now because it's a small sample size. And Chris talks about it. Like even the batted ball indicators can be deceiving because they those go in streaks. You know, I, I'm talking about the whole picture of Guriel. Was I'm asking was there pedigree? Because I don't remember us being excited about him. If he's on a hot streak then his indicators are going to look good. There's not enough, like, okay, mate, sometimes a guy gets on a hot streak, has a crazy high not habit. Always. Not always, right, but but a lot of times the guy's yeah. just hitting really well, you know? So, like, I just don't know that there's enough for me to buy into yet. Well, he's less than 80% owned in CBS leagues, and which means he's obviously less in Yahoo and ESPN. So uh, I, I, think, I think the main question we're looking to answer is, now is how rosterable he is. Is he? And I would say very. Uh, if you're talking about a that. high scenario, trading him uh, from the context that he's a stud for a, a more proven stud, I can get behind that. I don't know how realistic that is. Yeah. But sure, if you want to shop Guriel for something s- s- more, for something safer, you should aim very high. Uh, but I, I, I can get behind that. Scott, let me get your quick thoughts here before we take a break, and then we'll finish up. we got a lot more to get to here. A lot more. Wow. Um, J.P. Crawford, he's on fire. And Willie Adamas, he has homered two straight games, three of his last five. Willie Adamas, 197 with no home runs at home, 299 with nine home runs on the road, although those splits were sort of reversed last year. Uh, do you have interest in these guys? Because Crawford's barely owned. Crawford's only 14% owned. That surprises me. Adamas is 26% owned. Do you have interest in them? Uh, not really. It would have to be a deeper league. Like I said, short stuff is really deep. And J.P. Crawford, I, I, I don't think there's enough power there. Uh, you know, he may be a high BABIP type and can hit for a decent average, but I don't think there's enough power there. And I'm, I'm skeptical of the power for Adamas too. So, okay, that's that's that they're more they're more deeper league material. And the good news for Crawford, he has started 11 straight games at batting second for the Mariners. We always like plate appearances. The bad news is uh, he has a 2.27 slugging percentage against lefties. So if there are lefties on the schedule, you might not want to be considering J.P. Crawford even in those deeper leagues. When we come back, more hitters, thoriometer, regulators, emails. There's no way we're getting to all of it, but we'll try. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And the remainder of the show is brought to you by Micro Machines. Scott, double dongs yesterday. Fran Mil Reyes and Justin Bohr. We already talked about Lourdes Goriel. Um, 
Yeah, I, well, we know what the deal is with Reyes. He's been streaky, also doesn't play enough. But what do you think? 71% owned, is that justifiable for Reyes? 22 home runs this year, wow. There was kind of a, a mass exodus from Reyes when he had that stretch where he started one game at six. But he started five at six again. I think there's definitely a ton of power there. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer somebody like Gurriel to him, but I think that ownership percentage is appropriate. I don't think it should go down from there. And I'm just going to say, like, keep Justin Bohr on your deep league radar. He's only 4% owned. He doesn't need to be more than that. But he went down to the minors. He fixed his swing. And Justin Bohr has a 913 slugging percentage, slugging, since coming back. And there's if they're really serious about winning, I've got to think that he's a better player than Albert Pujols at this point. So... You know, we'll see. Do you think any of these guys are earning more playing time? Dominic Smith homered again. Danny Santana, five home runs in his last seven games. Willie Calhoun, 45% owned. He's actually started all but one game since coming off the IL, but Hunter Pence should be back maybe early next week. Uh, And he obviously, you know, Danny Santana's in that mix too. Jake Lamb just came off the IL and started. He's more of a thorn in the side of Christian Walker, if anything. And Jose Martinez has started six straight games. So these guys who are hopefully going to get more playing time, Dominic Smith, Danny Santana, Willie Calhoun, uh, Jose Martinez, and then I, hopefully not Jake Lamb, but he might. You know, What do you make of this group here? I think, yeah, the Calhoun situation is interesting. I'm trying to figure out who would play center field other than Delino DeShields if, when Pence is healthy. Um, I think Gallo plays sometimes in center field. Yeah, that's true. Gallo could play. Uh, And he just returned to the lineup yesterday, or two days ago, so that's why he's not showing up here. But yeah, okay. So, uh, even so, that would make Calhoun, Mazzara, Chu, and Calhoun. Yeah, there might not be a spot for Calhoun. Which is sad, because I I think he's uh, showing by far the most he's ever shown in the majors before. Two doubles and a home run yesterday. A power hitter who doesn't strike out much is very interesting. Um... But yeah, the Pence Pence return may may mess him up. Who else are we talking about here? Uh, Dominic Smith. Would you rather pick up yeah, Dominic I, I, Smith or Jose Martinez? If you were to take a flyer on someone who's first base and outfield eligible, I would rather say Smith. I think has a lot more upside at this point. And he started three straight homer in all three games. Uh, really high walk rate. Definitely the skills to be a good batting average source. If he is. If if he's a power hitter on top of it, then he could be he could be super valuable in fantasy. We just we just haven't gotten much indication the Mets are willing to play him regularly enough. Three games in a row, okay, that's a good start. But we'll see we'll see how long it continues. Yeah, I, I think they need him, so get him in there. All right, let's do the thoriometer, Scott. Let's see how concerned you are on this Thursday, James Paxton. Six runs in four and a third. And not sure if he's going to be a two-star pitcher next week. The Yankees, because they have the two days off today, today and tomorrow, I don't know what their rotation is going to look like. But And plus, Domingo Armand is on his way back. But, uh, yeah, another bad start. He's got a 474 ERA. Looked pretty good. The two previous starts, but the two starts before that were terrible. Zero to ten on James Paxton. So he got ambushed by the hammer yesterday. The Super Smash Brothers hammer gave him three home runs, which is going to be something that happens to most every pitcher from time to time. 
Paxton was actually behind last year's home run pace despite pitching in a more homer-friendly environment. So what what's concerning for him is that the good starts since coming back haven't quite been good enough. He's been limited to about five innings. And there's been some talk that maybe the knee's still bothering him. Aaron Boone said after this start he doesn't think it is anymore. Uh, but if if we can't trust to go Pax, Paxton to go six or seven innings when he's on, then when these starts come up, they're going to hurt a lot more. So I'm I'm a little concerned about Paxton. I'm concerned because of the knee. I I don't care what Boone says. Like I'm concerned because of the knee. And you right. know I, he did pitch six innings at the White Sox. Then he pitched five innings against the Astros, but he threw a ton of pitches. It just wasn't efficient. Mm-hmm. It was inefficient then start. So it, it, I, I he may like be okay. Innings... Boone may be right, but I, I think it's, it's, it's reasonable to wonder how many innings he's going to give you start to start because of that knee. Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty has a 475 ERA, 18 home runs and 85 and a third. Yowzers. Um, zero to 10 on Flaherty. Worryometer, I'll go, I'll go four, I guess. Okay. I think this is just this is just the reality now. Like like I was saying for Paxton, there there are going to be these starts where there's just so many home runs hit, like no matter how good the pitcher is, it may not even really be his fault. We usually we historically have attached home runs to skill for pitchers that that's the basis behind stats like FIP. But it's just it's just a really it's a really scary world they're living in right now and <laughs> ERAs can go crooked very quickly. It's more a matter of, you know, how many strikeouts is he getting? How good is his supporting cast? How good do his good starts look? Like, Zach Wheeler's kind of the poster child for that. ERA approaching five, and yet he has so many good starts that it still feels like he's one of the... He's among the the, the best options. You know, most fantasy owners who own him, he's probably like their third or fourth starter. So that's... You know, Flaherty's probably a little behind that, but it's it's kind of a similar situation. Who would you rather have, Paxton or Flaherty? Paxton. Eugenio Suarez on the worryometer. Suarez is only the number 17 third baseman in fantasy. He entered the month of June with a 901 OPS. He now has a in the month of June a 483 OPS. He's been terrible. Uh, so zero to ten on Eugenio Suarez. Uh, probably like a, probably like a three. I don't think he's the. I I don't think his skills are a real issue. I just think it it becomes harder to play him in shallower leagues given the surplus of third base options out there. Right, and and for someone who basically almost all of his value is home runs, considering that everybody's hitting home mm-hmm. runs this year. I mean, he doesn't steal. His batting average might be fine. Last year he hit what? He hit 283. Okay, that's fine. Um, you know, he doesn't really feel as valuable anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, he's going to be slump. worse than last year probably. It's just a slump though. So, you know, uh-huh. it's like he was hitting yeah. really well. So, I'm not we're not going to freak out on Suarez. Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung uh so look, he it's the last 42 games now for DeYoung. He has a 670 OPS. First 35 games he had a 1011 OPS. So within this stretch of bad games, he did have a really good week. It looked like he was back, and now DeYoung is struggling again. I do like the fact that he's still walking. He's stolen six bases this year. Mm-hmm. In his first two seasons, he stole a combined two bases, first two seasons. So um, uh, what do you think? Where are you on the worryometer here on Thursday, the thoriometer for Paul DeYoung? 
I guess if I went three for Suarez, I'll go four for Young. But Deion. kind of like, kind of, kind of like you're saying, uh, De Young, yeah, <laughs> kind of like you're saying. I I feel like uh, I I feel like while he probably was performing over his head earlier, it's it's been an overcorrection now. I mean, his strikeout rate is still much better. His plate discipline is a whole much better. Um, you know, he actually has a worse home run to fly ball rate now than he did last year, which doesn't make a lot of sense in this environment. I think he's probably going to get hot soon. But kind of like I was saying for Suarez, shortstop, there's so much depth there that it's, you know, doesn't take much to move a guy out of the top 12 at a position. I think DeYoung, even with kind of a more optimistic outlook, is is outside of that group for me. Yeah, but uh, so obviously at this point, like, Fantasy teams are going to be starting more than one shortstop in a lot of cases. Uh, like, you have Glaber Torres as your number 14 shortstop. Totally understandable, given all the guys in front of him, but he's going to be starting in every lineup. Do you think Paul DeYoung is the same way? Do you still think that fantasy owners are going to be able to start him rest of season and, and get good production? Well, the advantage Glaber Torres has is he's dual eligible, and the second position he's eligible at, second base, is deeper. Well, I'm just I mean, saying in general. Work. I'm just saying in general, like, DeYoung may not be a top 12 shortstop. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be a starting fantasy option as a utility. He should be starting in the majority of leagues where he's out. He's not. His starting percentage should probably be a little lower than Torres's uh, because there are leagues so shallow that there's just no room for him. But he should be started in the vast majority of leagues where he's out. Matt Boyd. Matt Boyd, seven innings, 11 strikeouts. Beautiful, but three home runs against Texas. And now that's uh, 10 home runs in the month of June in 29 innings. It's 17 home runs on the year. And obviously hasn't been as good in June as he was through the first two months of the season. He's got two starts next week at the White Sox and home against Boston. Worryometer on Matt Boyd. It's only like a three. I mean, he still has 11.4 Ks per nine, still 1.8 BBs per nine. If you remember back when he was at his best and just emerging, how legit is it? I said it's pretty legit. The one thing that we need to watch out for is there's going to be some home run regression. I think that's fully been realized now. His home run to fly ball rate, like most pitchers, is now a little higher than it was last year, which I think is it, it's fallen into the range where we should expect it to be. Now, so he has a 372 ERA now. It's probably going to finish about there. But in this environment, I don't think that's bad for a pitcher who gives you the kind of ratios he does. Would you rather have Matt Boyd or Armand Marquez? Boyd, I think. I, I think. Because I, you know, Marquez has that weird home issue where it's not, not totally sure how how much you should be starting him when he's at home, and that that obviously hampers his appeal. But of course, of course, Boyd has a very poor supporting cast and has a five and six record as a result. Sure, yeah. Well, let's see. Dermot Marquez is eight and three, even though he has a four twenty nine ERA. Uh, only two strikeouts at San Francisco yesterday, so that was strange. Uh, Mike Miner had a great start yesterday. Complete game, one run, seven strikeouts at Detroit. Would you rather have Mike Miner or Matt Boyd? Uh, I think Boyd, but Miner. Like I feel like I've been the high guy on Miner on, you on have. this podcast. Good for you. I still wonder if I still wonder if I'm underestimating him. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's weird for him to be this good, 
it's weird for him. Like, Cole Hamill struggled so much in Texas. Mike Miner is having a, like a great year. He's gone eight or more innings in three of his last four starts. I've watched him several times, and I, I you know, I like to watch guys that I'm, uh, you know, unsure about just to give me a little bit more perspective. And I think he's pretty good. So like, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't throw like super hard or anything, but I think he's a pretty good pitcher. I, I'm, I'm right. confident in Mike Miner. You called him a buy high a few weeks ago, and it was a great call. And uh, yeah, I. I think I think he's gonna have a good year. Yeah. I, I don't think he's gonna have a two forty ERA, but you know, I think he's, he's gonna have a good he's year. He's clearly like in, in terms of ratios like clearly better than he was last year. I mean it's a similar swinging strike rate to two years ago in the bullpen in Kansas City, where right. you take that to a starter, yeah, it's going to be good. You know, three of his past four starts now, eight innings or more. Uh, and that like I'm I'm not totally sure how much how realistic that is from him. But obviously if that continues and he has several starts this year where, you know, seven innings plus he has some short starts too. So that's, that's really what could be the differentiator for him is if he's, if he, if he takes on that huge workload with consistency. All right. That's Mike minor. Yeah. I'm just going to try to finish up the notes here and then we're going to do regulators and then we're going to read emails. Uh, Trevor Bauer, six and two-thirds, one run, 12 strikeouts. Patrick Corbin, seven innings, one run, nine strikeouts. Both these guys bounce back. It's been two good starts in a row for Corbin. Of course, Corbin faced Miami and Bauer faced Kansas City. But Bauer threw 127 pitches. Like, give me a break. It's a thing, man. I, I get it. There's <laughs> one pitcher in baseball who probably can do this. It is him. But, like, come on, Ter- Terry Francona. You're scaring the hell out of me. It's 117 pitches almost every time out or more. 127 yesterday? Yeah. That's, that is in only six and two-thirds. But it was a nice start. So yeah. good job, Trevor Bauer. Well, he seems – he was talking about how he's a little concerned about it too and that, you know, Bauer's driving a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, Bauer's – now we talked about it last time, but he's been – since coming into the leagues, and this is you know good reason why he's with Cleveland now and not Arizona, is he has his own his own preparation routine that supposedly is you know allows a pitcher to do this more, and he's been very hard headed about it, and uh, you know so far he's been right, but yeah, it's a little worrisome. And in the bullpen, AJ Minter got a save yesterday, a four out save. Both Luke Jackson and Anthony Swarzak had pitched three of the previous four days. Uh, Taylor Rogers got a save. He's clearly the best reliever to own in Minnesota, and he's 53% owned. He's really good. Rowena Elias got a two-inning save. Rowena Elias for the Mariners has five saves since June 12th. He has eight straight hitless appearances. Hitless. So Rowena Elias yep. pitching very well. And he was good. He had a 202 ERA as a reliever last year. So uh, And the yep. ratios are much better this year. So he, might be something there with Elias. Yeah, he's the uncontested closer. And the only one who I think could contest him now is Hunter Strickland if and when he returns. If, if Elias is still pitching like this, that's not going to happen. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, I think they just stopped throwing him in non-save situations. He gave up four runs in the eighth inning yesterday. And uh, Matt Barnes mm-hmm. blew a save. Brandon Workman had pitched two straight days. I do wonder if if maybe we're trending in the direction of Workman getting most of the saves, but I don't think we're there yet, but it's just a name to know. Brandon yeah. That's... All right. He's yeah. gotten one in a row. So <laughs> let's regulate. It's a Blake Snell question. All right, here we go from Aaron uh, from, uh, from murderers row. 
says, hey, Aaron, Ned, Brian, and Don. I don't know who those are. All right, please regulate this situation to set the level straight for uh, waiver wire protocol. Uh, Blake Snell was spite dropped in our 12-team redraft points league. What's wrong with you people? Our waiver order starts at reverse draft order, and whenever someone makes a claim, you go to the back of the line. The team with the number one waiver claim is non-competitive. Uh, he did the league a solid and filled the vacancy from a late dropout. He regularly goes days or weeks without looking at the league, and it's very plausible to think that this guy might not add Blake Snell. The team with the number two waiver wire uh, priority is competitive, and adding Snell would increase their likelihood to win the league. Another competitive team, lower in waivers, saw this and alerted the non-competitive team with the number one waiver claim that Snell is now on the waiver wire and advised that this owner add Blake Snell. This was done publicly in front of the whole league. The benefit to the whistleblower is to ensure the competitive team with the number two waiver claim doesn't get Snell, bettering his odds at a title. Is this collusion, or is this an example of a strategic maneuver done out in the open that should be considered fair game? Scott White? Um, I mean, collusion... Obviously, the guy who's alerting the the non-competitive owner is doing it for his own sake. But the non-competitive owner is, you know, you could certainly justify that he, he would want to pick up Blake Snell just like anyone else would. Um, I'm going so to you know what? I'm going to interrupt you. Owner is I'm going to be direct. Doing it. I'm going to I'm going to interrupt okay. you and I'm going to be direct. Then you can you can react. I don't okay. like. It's not collusion. But I don't like when other people tell other owners how to run their team. And I think this crosses mm-hmm. a line, and I don't think you should have done it. I'm not sure there's anything you can do about it at this point, but I think it's foul. I don't think it's fair. I think it's foul. And I, I, the only problem is he could have done this sneakily, but by privately messaging the guy, and nobody would have known about it maybe. But my general rule is, and I'd never do this, never. You should not tell other people how to run their team. That, to me, is crossing a line, selfishly. And I'm going to say it was bad yeah. etiquette. However, I don't think there's well, actually anything you do as a commissioner. Ultimately, the other guy doesn't have to do it, though. Um, I I think it's underhanded. I think it's cutthroat in a way that probably doesn't reflect well on the guy doing it. But I don't... <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it would understandably frustrate everyone else in the league. But I don't see any, like illegality here you know agreed i think it's right like it's kind of lame i don't think you should do it it's a demerit and i think maybe you start a rule <laughs> put a rule in do not tell anybody what to do do not tell anybody about players who want waivers do not tell like just stay out of it and manage your own team yeah but it's I hard think that's to, over legislating but oh you hands off commissioner scott white <laughs> you <laughs> you won't even let people put players on the IL before the season starts. You are an undercommish. In some leagues I do. Well, not in, in some mine. leagues I do. It's just it's just adds a lot of extra work for a commissioner it and does. I commission like a dozen leagues, so no. And I'll let them do it in every league. Well, prioritize mine going forward. Okay, well, we'll read some emails <laughs> tomorrow. I'm going to the city tonight to get some dinner with Chris Towers. We're going to get some awesome barbecue. Uh give us a shout out if you're in the city. New York City that is. And, uh, yeah, for Scott White. Thank you, Scott. Good show. Sure, Adam. It was great. Okay. 
That's it for Fantasy Baseball yeah. today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you later.